everybody, this is All Sports Are Bad. I am Patrick on the internet. And I am Jake Whipple. Well, um, it's been a week or two. It has been, yeah. It's been, it's been two weeks. <laughs> it's been, it's been, it's been weird. It's been a very weird little stretch of time here in the States. Um, kind of like unprecedented times we live in again and per- and in perpetuity, apparently. Yeah. This <laughs> <laughs> It's perpetually unprecedented times, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think we need to like tell you about everything that's been going on, but uh, yeah, that's why we didn't do a show last week because yeah, it's fucking weird. Like, how could we not? How could we pay attention to sports when like this shit was happening? Yeah, it was really weird. Like, I don't know. I think so. One of the things I've struggled with in thinking about trying to do a show is like you can't you can't do one in the in the wake of you know a insurrection like that and not acknowledge it but you also like it seems so trite to like do to, like do a sh- do something we have to talk about that and then also be like also here's some things i hate about the lakers like right it just it's not that i don't think there are like interesting things you can say about sports and culture in in the light of these things it's just that the, the things that are on the list that are worth talking about are so far it's so far down there that like you don't it doesn't need to be done right now it's just clutter to what's already like a stressful and frightening time and as instead of talking about like what this means for you know the NFL or ESPN yeah that yeah. like the world is coming apart and i mean as as like as far as when it was happening um was like the time in which we were like preparing a podcast like um researching writing etc and it's just like how can you do that when like the world is literally coming apart it's like you just can't it's not worth it they're just gonna fuck we're just gonna fucking like put it on put it on hold and it's fine just a little bit of separation because like you know maybe maybe someday we'll get we'll do something more extensive on like or like the responses and like the ways in which the leagues and the sport and like sports uh monoliths have interacted with all of you know like with the capital riots and insurrection coup whatever you want to call it and the trump years as a whole and like all the all the shit that's happened since all this but i feel like right now it's just not important enough there's there's more significant things that uh, more qualified people are trying to grapple with and work through and we don't need to tell you about how ESPN won't isn't running any information on their front page about any of this, like, and they weren't right because I didn't they actually check. No, no, no they, they weren't. weren't. Okay, I was assumed a... none of the none of like the leagues or or platforms were even remotely pretending that it was happening. No, no, they just kind of skipped. They just like okay. like tried to skip over it. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there. But like I, you know, as as I've been trying to say, there's a lot to unpack there later. Um, you know, wow. um. Yeah, like what a, what a great point I heard raised. It's like there was all this was going on on last, last Wednesday, and then the leagues still had their games. Like they still played. Yeah, yeah. I kind of thought that the day of that, like the NBA wasn't going to play. That was my assumption. Uh, Wednesday, yeah. NBA doesn't play, and then I find out uh, the players are taking courts for shoot around, <laughs> taking the court for shoot around, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like, no, what? and I'll just. Everything was just business as usual, um, which is, you know, I guess I'm not going to say necessarily that's the wrong thing to do, because I'm not, 
I don't know exactly what the right response is either, but it doesn't seem like a foregone conclusion. Like it, it seems like there should have at least been a conversation about it, and it doesn't seem like there was even that. Is like just sort of a yeah, you got a game tonight. Go ahead. Yeah. Well, like, I think I think the leagues have been like I wouldn't say I, they just kind of like have gotten used to not caring about um, basic human decency. Because, I mean, look at how they're handling COVID to the point where they're like, yeah, we can get away with ignoring this insurrection. Like, mm-hmm. of course, like, why? Like, why, let's just do it. Like, who cares? Like, that's literally what the leagues thought, I think. And they were just yeah. like, yeah, fuck it. Like, that's Whatever. that's how they thought about it, which is kind of fucking wild. And I, I you know, that yeah. was them. This is us. We were like, no, <laughs> no, <laughs> no podcast today. Yeah, we just we just couldn't it couldn't be done. Um, I wrote a, th- a piece that I published on Medium about the way in which um, uh, leagues sort of allow themselves to operate as echo chambers for whoever wants to be the loudest in them, and you know allow people to treat them as their own personal little room to for, um, I guess pontificating on what they believe is the proper direction for the world, um, and that's the fact that people use them as that space is a uh, increases the power of the leagues in and of itself. Um, and if you, if you want to check it out on Medium, go ahead. I'm just Jake Whipple on Medium. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. It would be very nice if something bad would happen to all these people who stormed the Capitol. It appears that it might, but we'll see. Um, but yeah. Yeah, there you are. Right there. Retweeted. All right, there you go. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Cross promotion, baby. <laughs> Cross promotion. It's ha- this is marketing, everyone. <laughs> happening right before your very own eyes. It's right ears, here for you. In your ears. They're, your eyes aren't seeing this right now. I just realized. <laughs> <laughs> they would if we put this all on uh, YouTube, I guess. Which we can, uh, using our new platform, Riverside.fm. <laughs> Riverside.fm. What pods do you cast? From your podcast, that is not Riverside.fm's uh, official uh, <laughs> tagline. I don't know if they have an official tagline. I don't know it, so I'm just going to make a couple up as we go. As we mentioned, Riverside.fm, your home for podcasting sweet experiences, um, and see which if any of them stick. All right, yeah, Riverside.fm, fuck Zoom. <laughs> <laughs> I mean that's essentially what they're saying, like in a nutshell. When the, like they're on their front page and everything, it's just like, look, uh, you could do a podcast on Zoom. That's a totally thing. That's a totally normal thing you could do. But mm-hmm. then you could make a good one on Riverside, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> I like that idea. I mean, because I essentially tried to make a podcast on Zoom, except we used Discord, which I thought had higher audio quality, which it does technically. But you know, you heard those podcasts. Yeah, they were a little choppy. That's mostly my fault, though, so... Well, no, Discord just didn't have it. Just didn't yeah. have it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think my favorite thing about recording on Discord is every time you would turn on Craigbot to record us, like, just this insanely loud robot voice would yell, Now recording! Yeah. Like, there wasn't a count in, it was just, like, this robot would scream at you, and that was how it worked. Yep, the robot screams at you, and that's that's that, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Craig was pretty cool. He did his for, thing for a, for a robot that recorded us for free. It was weirdly cool. Yeah, he was fine. I didn't I didn't mind Craig. He did his job. Um, 
Well, anyway, speaking of uh, sports that just sort of continued to happen as normal for whatever reason, uh, they did finally play the NCAA championship. Uh, Alabama won, I assume. Um... <laughs> that's a, that's always that's always the best assumption. We're not we're obviously. If you listen to this podcast, you know we don't like college football. Do not like even when we like college football. I think or we're watching college football, we hate college football. I watched exactly one college football game this year. It was the OSU-Alabama game um, for the national championship. Um, it was fine, I guess. Like, Alabama was clearly better than OSU, and then the game was over. Um, which is how, like, that's, to me, that's a lot of the experience that I get watching college football games in general, is, like, one team just is better than the other team for four quarters, and then the game ends. And that's... <laughs> <laughs> I think you just described all sports. <laughs> yeah, but... Because <laughs> even in games that end in a tie, one team, like, clearly played better, right? <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, but I guess, like, it's... What I mean by that is that the disparity in level of, like, level of competition through uh, college football is super extreme, right? Yeah. Like, like the bad, the bad teams in a college football conference compared to like the medium ones are pretty, pretty shitty, and like the medium ones are still substantially less good than the really good ones, and occasionally beat them because football is a weird sport dominated by random events. Yeah, I was gonna watch one game. I was gonna watch um, Cal Stanford their mm -hmm. annual rivalry game because I am from the Bay Area, um, and then I forgot. To watch it and then didn't care that I forgot afterwards yeah. <laughs> and I was like oh well <laughs> guess I didn't actually want to watch and that was it that was the yeah. end of it I actually I haven't even been watching any college basketball this year which normally I will watch college basketball like I despite my aversion to college sports in general I do watch college basketball because I enjoy it I like basketball do you have a team that you root for Co college no okay I just thought maybe you might. I don't know. I don't know. Like, I since, I mean, I went to a Division three school whose all of their sports programs, I think with the exception of the golf team, are pretty bad. Um, and, uh, I, you know, I guess I occasionally root for the University of Colorado if they make it to the tournament, but I don't follow them, you know? Yeah. I don't know if I have a, a call. I, I used to identify, like, with as a Cal fan. Mm -hmm. And now, because I hate college sports so much, <laughs> because I had to go and learn about them, and I realized this is literally evil. I don't know if I have a team anymore, because I try and like Cal, but then I'm like, ugh, who cares? This is awful. Every single time. And it's like, ah, oh, man, I said I don't really have a team anymore. Yeah. And oh. I tend to like I like to watch UNC and Kentucky, which I know like UNC's kind of an evil program, and can. You know, say what you want about Kentucky, but at least they're pretty open about the fact that they that they just want to take guys and send them to the NBA. Like, that's what they're here to do. Yeah. Um, kind of like Duke does that. Yeah. And, like, I like watching those teams because they consistently have cool players that I like. Yeah. Um, and Duke does as well. I just really hate Duke because that's just a thing that people absorb into their life if they've been around sports long enough. 
Yeah. It's, it's like hating Duke, Duke hating Alabama, mm-hmm. hating the Lakers, and hating the Yankees. Yeah. It's like kind of a default position for a lot of people. Yeah, and, and the Cowboys, if you're not, if you didn't default into being a Cowboys fan. Right, right. Yeah. I mean, hey, God, I, I think that's like a generational thing where I think that like, kids growing up don't hate the Cowboys anymore. <laughs> you know no, I don't mean? think like, they do. They don't even know, like, if you tell them, like, oh, man, I, like, you should hate the Cowboys because they're, like, this evil team, and then they'd look at the Cowboys and go, what, it, what have they done in the last 30 years? And it's like, um, you know, I don't really, <laughs> yeah, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. It's like, it's like what I used to think that, like, people still remembered the, the, the 49ers dynasty. They do not. No, no one nobody remembers. does. Just, just, just people who are like thirty-five and older. <laughs> yeah. People remember the catch. They remember the highlight, um, but they do not remember four Super Bowls. Five. I'm not including the Steve Young one. I'm just including the Montana ones in the '80s. Why? Why don't we get to include the Steve Young ones? I don't know because good. that was a real like because of the remove from the ones in the '80s. Like that was like what seven years later. Was that 94? Uh, 89 was the last Super Bowl they won, and then before the 94 one. Yeah, so, yeah I was, was trying to remember, it was was remember good, when was the Steve Young one was. Well, the Steve Young-Joe Montana transition was so smooth with regards yeah. to, like, yeah, like, it was still the same team, kind of, because Jerry Rice was still there. That's true. So I still count it, just cause, but also, yeah, like, I guess... it was a totally different team because Deion Sanders. Like, Deion yeah. Sanders was kind of the biggest deal in San Francisco for a year. Like, he took Jerry Rice and Barry Bonds' position as the most popular thing in the Bay Area for an entire year. Yeah, that year. makes sense. And I the, mean, Deion Sanders was, like, the coolest athlete in the history of athletes for a while there. Yeah. Yeah. And we we all wanted to be... We all wanted to, like, watch Deion Sanders play. That's all we cared about. Yeah. It was... As kids, yeah. anyway. Yeah. Yeah, man. It's... I, I remember... Even not being a football fan really growing up and not being, a, obviously not being a Niners fan, like, Deion Sanders was known to be a cool guy. Everybody knew it. I mean, like, when you're a kid and you see, like, his Nike commercials or, like, any of the stuff that he's promoting or just, like, any of the dances that he does any or even just the stuff he says, like, when you're a kid... No, athletes don't talk like that. They don't like say things like, "If I go to the 49ers, they're going to win a Super Bowl," and if I when when I go to the Cowboys, they're going to win a Super Bowl. And then he does it. That's yeah. nuts! Like he called <laughs> his shot two years in a row, yeah. and he did it. Sure, what, did he was he talking about the two best teams in football? Yeah, of course. But like, still, that's hard to do. Winning a Super Bowl is hard. Doing it twice in a row is harder, and doing it twice in a row after saying that you're going to go to this new team and win the Super Bowl <laughs> is, uh, that's something. <laughs> yeah, you have to go to a team, first of all, and they know what your plan is, you know, to leave yeah. after a year just to win a Super Bowl, and then go to the rival. And you have to work in that hostile environment, because you know Jerry Rice hated hated Deion Sanders. Yeah. Everyone on the team hated Deion Sanders, but they weren't about to, like not have Deion Sanders play with them. And then he did. He left. And it was, you know, he was doing his thing. Yeah, man. Dion, Dion was amazing. He was, he was fucking everybody's hero as a kid. Yep. In a lot of circles. Ugh. The 90s. 
the nineties, man. Who's the so, biggest star? Who's the biggest star in um in like your area in the nineties? Like what was who was was it just Elway? It was just Elway, yeah. Um Elway was God um in uh in Denver. Um followed by Terrell Davis, who I who I always thought was cooler, but that's not really up to me. Elway I don't know. I never really got on the Elway train. Um just because I don't know, man. He has a weird face. And, like, <laughs> as a kid, I was turned off by that. I was like, this guy looks weird. <laughs> he's a funny-looking dude. Um, and also, I've always been, a, like, something of a contrarian, and I, especially when I was younger. So the fact that all my all the kids I knew loved John Elway, I was like, I have, nah, fuck that guy. So. <laughs> looks like David Hasselhoff really mad. Like, like David Hasselhoff in a windstorm. Like he has the face. Like it's like it looks. It's a very like objectively handsome face, but like wobbly. Yeah, no, something wrong with it. Like like there's a like there's a filter on the like uh, a camera lens that's like making it wobbly. Like he's on Instagram or something. It's like no matter how like every time you look at his face, it seems like he's caught from just the wrong angle. Yeah. <laughs> but then you see him like, like that is an objectively handsome human being. Like that right. is that is literally like. But it's just a little. <laughs> you can't see my like... hands right now. <laughs> you, you, you gotta move like this. You gotta tweak it, the angle just a little bit. <laughs> we're both Patrick and I are both like wildly flailing our hands. Yeah, in the we're air. trying to indicate. What you're we're never gonna. Hear, you're never gonna see that. But just, I promise you, it was very funny. <laughs> <laughs> I'm tired. Yeah. Okay, we'll stop shaming John Elway for his looks. Objectively handsome, though. Objectively, Objectively handsome, handsome guy. You have to give it to him. Great quarterback. Um, got stomped a bunch of times by your 49ers. Um, yeah, it was a lot of fun. I mean, I barely remember, but you know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I guess, like, I was, you know, you look back on it, and it's like Terrell Davis was hands down the best player and the star of that team, but. Elway, I mean, he spent his whole career in Denver to end, ended it finally winning his first Super Bowl and then adding another one onto the back of it just for good measure. Like he was, he was always a folk hero out there. Yeah. You know, you have those, you had those, uh, the drive and um, the fumble against uh, the Browns back in the eighties, and yeah, pe- I mean, people. He was, he was always the guy. He was always the guy. And he had the uh, even late in his career, he had the helicopter spin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which That's was iconic. I mean, that was that was, was that ninety six, ninety seven. That was the ninety sevens. The Super Bowl played in nineteen ninety seven against okay. the Packers. Yeah. One of the best games ever played in the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. Not necessarily Elway's performance. The helicopter spin was just the iconic moment from what was an extraordinarily competitive and really, really fun football game. Yeah, I remember which there I... are not enough of. Yeah, I remember Nike commercials in the late 90s, or like any kind of Gatorade commercial. The the things you see, you see Derek Jeter jump throw. Mm-hmm. You see Brandy Chastain. Yep. You see, um, and that, and that I, obviously the 98 World Cup, um, Women's World Cup. And then, um, and then you see the helicopter spin. Mm-hmm. And then um, obvi- Jordan. Jordan <laughs> Jordan dunks. doing literally any of the Jordan mm-hmm. things. Yeah. Usually sticking his tongue out and either dunking or laying the ball up somehow. Maybe doing the big uh, hand switch. 
the hand switch. Um, maybe in the late nineties, they 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 just. I think they were displaying the um, the the mid the the mid range jumper, where the, yeah. the one where everyone's like, "Oh, he pushed off. He didn't push off. He didn't. <laughs> it's ridiculous. He just he just beat his man because he's." Drunk. I think even I think even Byron Russell says he didn't push him, but yeah, I. Although know. actually, I don't, I don't see, I don't, I can't imagine an NBA player saying, like, admitting in public that he got crossed up that hard. Yeah, I mean, but it is Jordan, so it's like okay. There's some guys where it's like, yeah, I mean, I don't know, I just got smoked, and no one's going to judge you because that guy smokes everybody. Yeah, the greatest isolation scorer that ever existed and will ever exist. <laughs> yeah, he beat me. Yeah, it's like getting smoked by Bobby Fischer in chess. Yeah, he beat me. What, what if the fuck else was going to happen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah man I can I I don't know it's I fucking love it when you can there's actual like amazing dudes in sports like everybody in Denver loved Terrell Davis everybody in San Francisco loved Deion Sanders for a year everybody in San Francisco loved fucking Barry Bonds for what did he what did Bonds come over like 94 92 uh, yeah 92. 92 I remember Um, I was playing outside uh, me yeah. and my friends I think we're playing dodgeball in the driveway or something, and my dad just like opens the window and yells at us, "The Giants got Barry Bonds," and everyone just goes ape shit. <laughs> like that's the how it started, and like yeah. even throughout my like childhood, he was always great, and like it was like just he, I had a life size poster of him, you know, with the height chart, you know, so as a mm-hmm. kid you can mark your height or whatever. And, like, that's just the type, that's just the caliber of athlete that Barry Bonds was in the 90s in, in the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. And he wasn't even, like, at his peak yet. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, this isn't even, like, this isn't even the extent of where this goes. Like, he, <laughs> and then, you know, I hit my teen years and he kept going. And I was like, oh, shit, Barry Bonds is still great. All right, that's cool. And then, you know, I go into my you know, early twenties. And it's like, how is he better? How is he better than like, <laughs> than, like when I was like in the second grade, <laughs> it's nuts. It's nuts. Yeah. Barry, Barry Bonds. Barry Bonds had an incredible career. Uh, yeah. The, the greatest baseball player of all time. Yeah. I would think so. Check yeah. I don't know. I don't know who else you say it is. Um, a lot of people say Babe Ruth, but we all know. <laughs> We've covered that. Babe Ruth <laughs> we got, a, does we got have, a whole show on that. Babe Ruth does have more um, wins above replacement, but we have decided those don't count. <laughs> 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 and Barry Bonds is due. And a lot of people would make the argument that Barry Bonds' wins above replacement shouldn't count. To that I say, no, 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 I don't really care. <laughs> like, it doesn't really matter to me if you think so or not or whatever, you know, if you're like... You know, it's artificial. It didn't happen. I would argue it absolutely happened. There's like, we're in the we're in the uh, um, the an, of the annual sports cycles. We're currently nice and deep into the heart of um, baseball Hall of Fame shit. When a bunch of people don't vote for like players who should be in the Hall of Fame, and then they write think pieces expl- like making moral cases for why not. Right. Um, it's like one. I don't think. I think I've said this on this sh- on this podcast before, but I don't think halls of fame have anything to do with how good a player was. Like, if you're calling it a hall of fame, you're talking about how famous is a guy. 
Uh, I mean, that's true, but it kind of just became like war counting, right? Yeah, it, it did. It's like, MVP, um, it's like MVP votes. You're just war counting. Yeah. Like, if it's a Hall of Fame as opposed to a Hall of guys who were best at baseball, then, like, who you got to put the most famous dudes in there. Like, what are the names that everybody knows? Yeah. So. Yeah, all the all the shitty dudes. Like, all the yeah. dudes that, like, you know, weren't, like, very cool, but also were very famous for, like, mm-hmm. kind of being shitty. I'm not saying put fucking Kurt Schilling out there because he's dangerous. You know what I mean? That's, like, that's the kind of shitty where it's, like, that guy's dangerous. Mm-hmm. Um, like, you definitely don't want him out there. But if it's, like, someone who was just kind of, um, God, just kind of rude and shitty, you know, in that way, and, uh, yeah. you know, destructive in their own world, in their own way, but, like, not, like, volatile in a Kurt Schilling capacity... Uh, yeah, sure. Put them out there. Why not? Like, what? Hey, fuck it. Go ahead. <laughs> They're noteworthy. They're famous for like twenty years. What are you just gonna not talk about them in the story yeah, like, of baseball? I get it. Yeah. Well, it's like Pete Rose, on his face, has a Hall of Fame career, right? Both in terms of quality of baseball played and in terms of like level of famousness achieved. Yeah, yeah. That yeah, baseball absolutely. then just made even bigger by saying he wasn't allowed to be in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. Like, they made him more famous and more qualified to be in the Hall of Fame by not letting him in it. Yeah, I think he probably has made more money off of like books and appearances <laughs> for not being in the Hall of Fame than probably, he would have yeah. been if he was in the Hall of Fame. Because if he wasn't a Hall of Fame, he'd just be another very, very awesome baseball player who's in the Hall of Fame that no one pays attention to anymore because <laughs> no one likes baseball. Now he gets to be infamous for being one of the guys that baseball hates, like a Jose Canseco type of situation. Jose Canseco is super famous for being hated by baseball. And he's not even really hated by baseball. It's just baseball's kind of like, can you stop it, Jose? Just, no. <laughs> That's all. Yeah. And, and he he's like, oh, look at that. Look at what I know about everyone. <laughs> look what I'm willing to tell. I'm kind of a snitch. <laughs> what was the... Um, so... Of in, so like of these guys like of these of the fucking greats or like it doesn't actually it doesn't even necessarily have to be a great player but like can you think of an individual athletic performance that has like s- real just like etched itself in your mind like one game or like maybe a series or something that's just stuck with you as like the epitome of like heroism in sports heroism yeah. I don't know if I'd call a lot of like what I see in sports heroism. Um, well, sure. That's, maybe like that's the greatness. wrong word. I'll say greatness. Like just yeah, great. Let's say greatness. Um, there was a week in 2010 where Roy Holiday pitched a no-hitter in the playoffs, and then, like, the next day, or the same day, Tim Lincecum pitched, like, a game against the Braves in the NLDS that turned out to be, like, one of the greatest ever. Mm-hmm. And it was just, like, too, too like... It's just, like, the stars kind of lining up, aligning, like, for this, like, these two great pitching performances to be had in one in one single week during the playoffs. And, you know, there was a lot of, yeah, it was it was amazing. Because I, I, I very obviously everyone remembers the Roy Holiday dominance as a Philly yeah. from, like, um, God, when it, he, get, it was, he only had to that, 2010 was when he got there, right? I think so, yeah. He was yeah. only there for a couple of years, I believe. Yeah, he he was just so dominant that first year because he had he had he had a perfect game or a no hitter 
earlier in the season against the Marlins. And then he went and did it against, I believe, the Reds in the first, yeah, in, in the first round of the playoffs. And it was just wild. And yeah. Tim Lincecum went and just absolutely torched the Braves in like the, a day later. And yeah, those two pitching performances were just like so off the charts. Like those game scores were so high that it was just like two of the best performances in baseball history just happened in two days. Yeah. It was a lot of fun. It's a lot of fun if you're like a Tim Lincecum fan like me and everyone in the Bay Area. (laughs) (laughs) I don't like anyone who watched baseball while Tim Lincecum was playing should be a Tim Lincecum fan. And if they're not, they just hate fun. Yeah. Um, But yeah, the one, so the one that I've always like has always been stuck with me is like the mo like the moment of greatness in sports just like encapsulated is the 2006 Rose Bowl going back to uh, college football for a oh. moment, apparently. Yeah. Um, because like, I remember watching, cause it was what Matt Leiner and Reggie Bush. And there was a receiver on USC that was also very good. Whose name I do not remember. Um, and then just Vince Young was the entirety of the Texas Longhorns. It felt like, although they had, I think Len, who was their running back? He had a good running back. Glendale White was on that yeah. USC team. Yeah, the those teams were those teams were were stacked. Absolutely stacked. So Jamal Charles was on uh Texas. Oh yeah. Um Yeah, he he didn't even man, he only Jamal Vince Young had the bulk of the rushing attempts for two hundred yards. Yeah, was it Vince Young threw was thirty for forty for two hundred and sixty seven yards and Rant took had nineteen carries for two hundred yards and three touchdowns. That's wild. That's yeah. wild. Steve Smith was on the USC team. <laughs> hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. I'm like, which Steve Smith? Is this the Steve Smith that went on to play for the Giants, or was this Steve Smith like the Steve? No, Steve Smith was already in the NFL at this time. Guy Scott, he had to have been. Yeah, no, this isn't that Steve Smith. I don't. It's, it's got to be. It's a different Steve Smith. Yeah. Anyway, my point is just that, like, I remember watching that game and just, it was like it was the most. It was one of the most unreal individual performances I'd ever seen, or that's what it felt like. Because just USC would take this, you know, machine down and get a touchdown because that's what they did, and then Vince Young would just somehow come back up the field by himself and score again. And I, I've never, I have never watched a football game where I, where the like the idea of like whoever has the ball last is going to win this game felt more true than in that moment. It's like if USC could keep playing, keep going down the field, they were going to win. But if Vince Young had a chance to bring it back, he was going to win. Yeah, and that's what happened. And it, I don't know, it was, it's it seemed like he looked like a fucking superhero at times, like. I mean, he beat, was... he beat the team that was unbeatable. That's, like, one of the mm-hmm. things that you have to, like, that really etches in your mind as, like, a great all-time performance is that he beat the guys that no one thought were going to be beat. That it was just, like, yeah. it was already a foregone conclusion. It's like, look, Vince Young is great, but USC is yeah, but a powerhouse. You... They are the powerhouse. They hadn't lost a game in like three years at that point, or something. Yeah, or well, they haven't. Yeah, they hadn't. They hadn't really faltered in a way that made you think that they could lose a game like this to a team like this. And then Vince Young happened. 
Yeah, and that was um, and that was the national championship game brought to you by Duke's mayonnaise. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, it's the Duke's mayonnaise BCS national title game brought to you by MySpace. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. I do hate the bowl system very, very much. I always have, but they've ne- and every time they try to change it, they never make it better. But that's really neither here nor there. Yeah. Um, I want to talk about cool, cool athletes. Who's the coolest athlete in your mind? The coolest? Yeah. I guess I'm going back to Tim Lincecum as the coolest athlete. <laughs> <laughs> that's fair. Tim Lincecum is the coolest athlete. And it, I think if you were in the Bay Area in the late 2000s, like, Barry Bonds is just finishing his thing, finally. <laughs> After <Yeah. laughs> decades of being the most, the the best baseball player of all time. And you feel like your team is like, okay, well, we're going to be bad for a really long time now. And then Tim Lincecum comes along, and not only, like, I think he's like a perfect fit for the West Coast. I think when you watch baseball, you see a bunch of, like, old looking like white dudes you know and like you don't really like you don't see a half a half filipino (laughs) (laughs) like like kid essentially out there and when you do you're like holy shit man like he looks like someone i went to high school with you know what i mean like he very much looks and like I, I especially like in the Filipino community, like you don't really get a lot of athletes at a high level other than like him and Manny Pacquiao. And yeah. I guess shout out to Jordan Clarkson. <laughs> hey, Jordan Clarkson is one of the three hundred best basketball players in the world. That's an achievement. That's pretty good. <laughs> yeah. But like you don't really like see that. So especially in the Bay Area where there are a lot of Filipinos, or just like on the West Coast in general, like uh, I think people really took a liking to him um, from his days in in Washington at UW, being I guess the greatest baseball player to ever have played at UW. Like he has mm-hmm. all the records, all the pitching records, everything. I was looking at his college career and his minor league career um, through some stuff you sent me. Like he was unreal at every level. Like he was always great. Yeah, no, he was he was wild. Like and I mean he. God, he went to the minors and he was like there for like a day. He like yeah. he showed up. I think I remember. <laughs> let's see, he was drafted in two thousand six. By early two thousand seven, he was in the majors. So he actually was around for Bonds' last year, mm-hmm. and he got to see that whole parade of you know media and angry people, happy people, mostly angry people. <laughs> <laughs> And, you know, be teammates with Barry Bonds and, like, you know, witness that kind of greatness. But it also was, like, a transition. It was very transitional in that, like, they were going to move on to a different type of star player. And we didn't really know at the time that Tim Lincecum was going to be that guy. But it turned out, yeah, he, he would be the the guy. Not him, or not, not Barry Bonds, but it would be Tim Lincecum to win the first title in San Francisco. That's just... That's just nuts. And for it to be, like, a, a Filipino dude to a Filipino guy, like, that's, like, that's huge, you know? Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. And he was, like, a small pitcher. Like... He was. He's, he's was listed at 5'11 and 170 pounds, I think, which, according to all accounts, was generous. Um. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I've been in... I've been... 
I I can't say I've actually like met met him. Yeah. I've been in the same bar as him in San Francisco, maybe like I I, I wanted to say ten years ago. I'm like eh, it was probably more like <laughs> eleven, twelve years ago. <laughs> uh, yeah, he. I would not say he's anywhere near like five eleven. <laughs> that's that's that is not accurate at all. Uh, a bit shorter than that. Um, he looks like he looks like an elf baseball player. Like yeah, yeah, he's a, he's a baseball elf. Yeah, he's, um, he's a baseball elf that throws that in in when he was at his highest velocities was throwing like ninety seven regularly. Yeah, with movement. which isn't which is nuts. Yeah, he he had, let's see, his his fastball would go to the would would go out to the right, and it he never threw like a straight fastball, like a four seam fastball. It was always like a running fastball, and then he had a slider, which was okay. His curveball was okay, but then he developed um, the Vulcan change, which is like Tom Glavin's like specialty yeah. pitch. Um, Tom Glavin, Eric Gagne were very famous for throwing the Vulcan change where you make a Vulcan V and you put the ball there, as I'm illustrating in the <laughs> thing that everyone can see. <laughs> and he threw this... It was It's essentially a splitter. <laughs> like it's, a, it's a weird splitter, but he started... He mastered that, and when he did that, it was impossible for him to lose because he'd be throwing... A, the ball coming out of his hand looks exactly the same, but it's either going to go this way and it's going to be 95 miles an hour or 94 miles an hour. For our it's going to go to the right. Patrick is gesturing to the yeah, right. I'm gesturing it's to the right. It's going to go to the right <laughs> or it's going to drop into the ground and be 84 miles an hour. And if you're a hitter, like, what the hell? Like, what? <laughs> like, what's going to happen? I don't know what this is. Fair. Like, what's going on? And he would start pitching backwards, even in the prime of his career. Like, that's stuff that, like, you'd expect, like, real-life Tom Glavin to do at 40, you know, is pitch backwards. And Tim Lincecum was doing it in the prime of his career just because he could. And he wanted to, yeah. and it would mess with people. And he won two Cy Youngs, and he was amazing. I always liked watching him throw, because he he's one of the few guys who throws that kind of heat, who looks like they're really, put it, like, they're really trying to throw that hard. Like... There's other guys who, like, you can see the effort that goes into, but Lincecum is, like, you can see the fact that every single aspect of his being went into throwing that ball as hard as he possibly could. Yeah. Yeah. And that... Which probably is what... Probably why his career was over by 2016. Yeah. He had a violent, violent, violent uh, delivery. And his... I mean, in order for him to get that much velocity and that much movement out of his body, he -hmm. had to have a very, very elaborate um, delivery that was engineered by his dad who uh, worked at, uh, worked at Boeing. So that's like, he had like (laughs) space, not spacecraft, aircraft technology, essentially, you know what I mean? Like engineering minds worked on his, or an engineering mind worked on his, on his pitching mechanics. And that's partly why he could do what he did. Also, cause he's, he's a wizard. (laughs) <laughs> yeah some dudes are just correct. wizards you know yeah tim litzikum was awesome and just a goofy dude like that's why that's i mean that's what makes him cool i mean there's yeah. being small and throwing very hard is very cool but also being incredibly goofy like yeah. just being a weirdo being what a thing i've always loved baseball because it gives there's so much opportunity for like the super weirdo to be the guy who's good at it because it's such a weird sport oh yeah you know? 
Yeah, there's like there's footage of him um, dressing up as Bruce Bochy, like wearing a fake gut and like putting a mustache <laughs> on and like jogging out to the mound to do the lineup card and like to like essentially like just tricking the umpire. <laughs> 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 you know, but I'm like, uh, and the umpire just like, yes, of course, we'll we'll allow it. I mean, you are on the Whatever, team technically. Fine. I don't care. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm sure Bochi actually did sign off on that lineup card. I don't remember the official story as to why that happened. Maybe Bochi wasn't around, you know, or like he was. Yeah, yeah. It that that Bochi was taking funny. a dump. I don't know. Yeah, there's just so much weird, wild stuff with that guy. Um he oh his post game meal for this tiny guy after every after every start his post game meal at in and out he was famous for ordering three double doubles that's that's three double cheeseburgers two patties and two pieces of cheese and you know all the stuff that goes in an in and out burger two fries and a neapolitan shake after every start gross I mean, amazing, so but food. also gross. <laughs> <laughs> so much food. Probably delicious, but just disgusting. I'm sure it's great. I'm sure it is great. I mean, it's great. Like, the one, the one <laughs> burger. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe two on, like, a really hungry day. Yeah, <laughs> the three. Oh, man. Three burgers is a lot of burgers. I think I read on average a pitcher will actually lose 10 pounds per start in water weight so i guess he had to get it back somehow but he chose saturated fats as his method of getting it back hey man (laughs) whatever works for you i guess uh yeah yeah cool dude beloved beloved in san francisco forever more buster posey probably hates that tim lincecum is still more popular than him to this day Well, that's it. Seems like a real Buster Posey problem. Actually, Buster Posey's super chill. He doesn't give a fuck about it. <laughs> He's like, I'm rich. What? It? I don't care. <laughs> that Buster Posey doesn't care. Madison Bumgarner's busy farming. The Giants have a pretty good balance out there. Also, Madison Bumgarner's <laughs> gone. <laughs> Where is he now? Arizona. Oh well. There you he go. See, farm there too, I guess. <laughs> he cares so little <laughs> that he just left. <laughs> I don't know. I always enjoy. I like. I like. Um, I like hearing about people's and in, like involvement and engagement with like their. I mean, like we said, you know, maybe heroes not the right term, but like sort of the guys who really like brought them happiness through sports. Yeah. Like a lot. Of, a lot of times, you and I spend a lot of like a lot of effort and energy trying to dissect like the problems with uh, with things that happen in sports and like the this arena of culture. And it's kind. Of, it's just kind of fun to like hear hear about the shit that makes you happy, like the shit that's. You know, like, the whole reason that we, like, got into this in the first place, you know? Mm-hmm. Like going, like, the things about going to games and seeing the individual players and performances, that, like, just really grabbed you and, like, really made you, yeah, really made you care and want to be there. Like, um, <laughs> we've done that. We've been doing this podcast for, since 2018 and we never, we never once thought to talk about the nice things about <laughs> sports. <laughs> right? <But> like, <laughs> we just never did. <laughs> we... we we did. We literally did a show called "All Sports Are Good," and it was a satire episode in which we explained why sports are actually even worse than they we previously said. I forgot about that. That was a weird editing job that I had to do. That was a weird one. I now I'm remembering. Okay, hey everyone, don't listen to that podcast. <laughs> I don't know. There's some there's some good bits in there. 
At one point, I accuse play, uh, basketball players of going to the discotheque, and I crack up Patrick so much that he ruins my flow in trying to be a jerk. <laughs> the discotheque. <laughs> uh, yeah, man, like, like, shit, like, when uh, Jeremy Lin made Knicks fans care again, like, that was one of my favorite things I've ever seen. Well, they um, always care, right? And that's the worst, like, it's like the saddest part about Knicks fans is that they care so much true. about so little. <laughs> in general, I mean, just in general, like they get excited about Julius Randle, and it's like you know he's buffing his stats so he can leave, right? <laughs> yeah. He's actively trying to get out of here. Yeah. Like, he just doesn't. He doesn't want this. <laughs> but they have to be happy about it because they have to be happy about something, you know? Like, yeah, yeah. But yeah, like, I don't know. It's also cool because like sports in general come with this like built-in version of the hero's journey or whatever. Because you can do that with, like, a yearly quest for a title, or you can do it with, like, career arcs of, like, trying to, you know, win the big one, or, you know, build build themselves up into, like, the, the greatest of all time. Like, that's what you see with LeBron James, is can he surpass Jordan? Can can players do these things? It's, like, it's really Sisyph- Sisyphusian, you know? Like, everybody's got a boulder to push up the hill, and then, you know, every year the boulder falls back down, you have to do it again. Yeah. And but that's also a career arc for everybody because they're like even if you hit that peak everybody was looking for, then they just want to see how much further you can go. And we're always, you know, you're always rooting for somebody to keep going. Like, can I remember rooting for Usain Bolt to win as many gold medals as possible, mm-hmm. which they were, they were never in doubt, really. Like he was so clearly faster than everybody else. It was, it was he was either going to win or he was going to trip. Like yeah. that was those were the choices. Like that fuck it, there's that photo of him like mugging for the camera as he wins the hundred meter dash. <laughs> that, like, gets me every time. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing. Um, yeah, man, like it's just it's it's neat to watch people do something as well as it could possibly be done. Or as well as it's ever been done. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. For sure. Like you can also you can also do the opposite and turn somebody into a villain who should not be permitted to succeed even though they do, like Tom Brady. Like <laughs> <laughs> he's part like at first I think Tom Brady was like very much a man made disaster like you know it was like a co- like Belichick built a monster you know and it was purely mm-hmm. he was purely for like the first few championships a product of his system right and then yeah. Tom Brady like the like the robot became sentient <laughs> <laughs> you know Tom Brady was like you know what I'm the star of the show and Bill Belichick's like yeah. no 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 the defense and your game managing that's <laughs> what works here and, and then Tom's like no I'm the best one it's like my scheme got Wes Welker open. <laughs> and you, therefore, you get a... The fact that we, we send Randy Moss in a straight r- r- route, and then Wes Welker is open in, like, a drag route. That's the way it's designed. Therefore, that's why you're successful. And Tom's like, no, that's not it. It's because I'm the greatest of all time. <laughs> and it kind of, like, it kind of became true, you know? It's, I mean, it, he definitely is true that he is the greatest of all time. He sort he spoke it into existence. Yeah, he's kind of like, like yeah, the robot became sentient. Yeah. I mean, he's a, he had a pretty good year with the Buccaneers, although I do think that there is something to be said for the fact that that receiving core is unreal. Um, 
I actually haven't paid any attention to the Tom Brady Bucks. I know that they're winning games. Yeah, I mean they're on right now. They're currently losing, I believe. But yeah, it's like they're so they're they have Leonard Fournette at running back because he decided he hated playing for the Jaguars. Mm-hmm. Um, I think and I think they're they're three. They have Mike Evans and Chris Godwin as receivers, as well as Antonio Brown, which that's a whole other thing to deal yeah. with. But yeah, like they have a bunch of insanely talented skill players. Um, like, so I don't know. I'm not. Not that Tom Brady has been bad exactly, but I'm not sure that um, he deserves as all the credit for yeah. that. Like, if you if you believe that football is a team game, like, yeah, the quarterback is the most important guy. But if the most important guy is throwing to like three of the better receivers in the league, then that kind of helps. Could you argue that his gravity caused them to go there, especially with regards to Antonio Brown? And you can't with Antonio Brown. Evan, Evans and Godwin were already yeah, there, which a, is probably yeah. yeah that, which is probably why Brady went there mm-hmm. in the yeah. first place. Yeah. Fournette, I think that was uh, Fournette was cut by the Jags and hadn't been signed, and the Bucks were like, "We'll take him." Okay, so really his so. his gra- Tom Brady's gravity got him Antonio Brown and Gronk. Yes, so, that's eh, correct. Yeah. Eh. <laughs> <laughs> Sam. So, yeah. He's, he, I'm sure a lot of people in Boston think of Tom Brady as like this hero, you know. Oh, I'm sure they do. Probably. I mean, like shit, man. If uh, if Terrell Davis, instead of his career ending because of a series of very unfortunate knee injuries, had ended up playing for, I don't know, let's say, the Rams for another six years, then I probably still would have had a bunch of fond memories about him. Yeah. He was fucking great. Yeah. Awesome, awesome player. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, like, what, what are what are some other like? I don't want to say groundbreaking stars that we've seen in our lifetimes, like, because we all know like the the easy ones are out there, like you know, yeah, like your Willie Mazes and your you yeah. know your your LeBron Jameses, like those Derek Jeters, but like Michael Jordans, more like I wouldn't say personal, but just kind of like under the radar successes. Like um, Dontrell Willis, which is like he was Dontrell so Willis was fun cool to watch. Yeah, I loved yeah. watching him. Oh my god, the leg kick! Like, I, yeah, D Train was the most fun thing ever. Even though, like, I was pretty upset that his Marlins team knocked the Giants out of the playoffs, but when the on when they won on that World Series run, but it was so fun watching him that I almost like didn't care and just kept rooting for him anyway. Yeah, I mean, when I was when I was a kid, like. Just growing up and like playing little league baseball and you know all that shit. Like my favorite player on the Rockies was Todd Helton, um, who had one of the better like opening stretches to start his career that anyone's ever seen. And I actually believe to a great to a great extent that if he had not played for the Mountain Padres and had instead played for like San Francisco or one of the New York teams or like the Phillies, it's like just a different baseball team. He'd probably be a lot more famous than he is. Um, oh yeah, because he was a fucking great hitter. Like he was one of those. He was never a power hitter. Like he was only gonna hit. He's gonna hit twenty home runs, but like probably not thirty. Um, yeah, I wonder what Todd Helton home away splits. <laughs> uh, not as bad as you'd think. <laughs> yeah, I think he was. He was amazing outside of course. Like we all knew that. I, I just wanted mm-hmm. to know the, the extent. 
Um, he was the last guy to carry a 400 batting average into August, I think. Wow. Um, or maybe into July. Yeah, he was he was still awesome on the red. Yeah. <laughs> he, he, was, yeah, he, was he was pretty incredible on the red. Yeah. Well, because the thing was, he was never actually a power hitter. Like the thing that he, he was a left-handed hitter who liked to double down the third baseline. Like yeah. that's what he did. He just drove the ball to the opposite field and like ran to second base. That was his whole deal. Yeah, he was very much of that era. I think like because mm-hmm. um, nowadays it's all about like what the uppercut swing and. Mm-hmm. Um, you kind of hear, I kind of hear A-Rod complain about it during uh, baseball broadcasts that he does, where he's like, you know, hitters just aren't dropping the bat to the ball, you know, they're like, they're like trying to like uppercut swing and A-Rod's getting mad and stuff. And it's just like, well, that's <laughs> the era, man. But he, Todd Helton was definitely of that, like drop the bat head on the ball, kind yeah. of like, I guess now it's an old school approach. Yeah. Going the other way. <laughs> no, it's, it's certainly not something you'd see the guy who's batting fourth in the lineup doing anymore. Like, yeah. And nowadays, the guy who would have been batted, batting fourth in the lineup in those days would now be batting second. Yeah. Because <laughs> baseball changed <laughs> pretty significantly mm-hmm. over the last ten years or so. It's been getting a little weird out here, that's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. Did you know... They don't even know like what the rules are going to be this year. Uh, for baseball, baseball, yeah, MLB doesn't really know. Like, I think they just today or yesterday hashed out um, that they were going to do the double header rules with the uh, seven inning double headers, and I think they were also, I think they're also continuing with the terrible, um, the terrible. Uh, <laughs> Uh, the guy on second base and extras that whole thing like the the rules to like entice people who hate baseball to watch baseball like that's which is never going to happen by the way like people who don't like it aren't ever going to go oh your overtime rules are changed let me give it a shot no they don't (laughs) fucking care man they all just want to watch like UFC and like NFL and shit just let them do what they want just stop trying to court them and just you know make people who like baseball happy (laughs) <laughs> I start with the people who already like baseball and try to keep them from leaving because right. they tend to be leaving right now. Yeah, yeah. It's like, well, remember when ba- when people used to watch baseball all the time? Get them back. I mean, sure, some of them are dead. Like, <laughs> like a, a decent amount of them are dead. But it's just like you, there are people that will watch baseball because they like baseball. They just don't see it that interesting. And changing the rules doesn't make it more interesting, I don't think. It, well, somebody's out there courting the next generation, and it's the NFL with a Nickelodeon broadcast. Oh, my God. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> So that, they're trying to get they're trying to get the kids. They're trying to inoculate the children for NFL virus. Yeah, I watched it uh, actively because I had to know what the fuck was going on. So I watched the whole thing start to finish. And um, it was like the 30th most evil thing I saw that week. <laughs> and it really just has everything to do with the week that it was. But it was about number 30 on the list of the most evil things I saw on that week of January 6th, <laughs> 2021. Um, unf- yeah, it was bad. It was bad. I should just say the NFL. The I know, NFL I know they had bad. digital slime cannons for the end zones for touchdowns. Well, it was, it's clearly just like this indoctrination 
um, attempt that the NFL had. That they want to get kids in and watching it, but it's like it's it's so weird for Nickelodeon and CBS to go this route because it's like, aren't there other sports that you could like get kids into that aren't like the creepy blood sport run by racist billionaires? <laughs> like, isn't there <laughs> like the WNBA? Let's get kids into the WNBA. What a what a great what a great league for kids to watch. I think for anyone to watch, mm-hmm. like that that or the the NBA. Let's start. Let's go there. Like you know what I mean. Like why? Like not baseball. <laughs> Obviously, the <laughs> kids aren't going to watch baseball. Let's not even get them started on that shit. Um, but like for it, for it to start baseline at the NFL at like literally the most evil league in existence is baffling. And I think the worst part about it is how great a job they did. Cause it was incredibly, yeah. it was an incredibly watchable broadcast. Um, they had, they did have the slime cannons. Like you mentioned, they had, um, Oh dude, they, they had, um, they, they used different, they'd use different announcers, Obviously, because kids don't want to fucking listen to like Tony Romo. <laughs> Tony Romo is just Nance, like, you, you know, see the... SpongeBob. What you're looking at here is trips wide right. Now, normally you expect the guy to go to space. You're gonna get to see a slant route out to the left from this guy right here. Yeah, yeah. Tony Tony Romo would would oh would be too too much. I mean, he's very very <laughs> good at talking about the sport that he talks about. But it would be too much for kids. They did such an amazing job. Um, Nate Burleson was the the main the main uh, voice there, and he did a great job. Mm-hmm. The only problem is, like, they were all doing this great job for, you know, <laughs> the blood sport run by creepy racist billionaires. <laughs> like, that's the problem here. They did an amazing job. That's an objectively correct <laughs> fact. And it's just that it was evil. It was like, what do you... The things that you'd have to, like, the things that you're introducing to your child by introducing them to the NFL, just nuts. You'd be like, well, here here you guys go. Um, like, a first down, uh, or a, yeah, a first down is when you move the ball 10 yards and you get a new set of downs. And a, a, a concussion is when you're, you hit your head so hard, your brain bleeds, and then you never are the same again. It's like, what? Speaking of... <laughs> is this something you want to teach kids, like, right now, right here? For real? Speaking of, um, the, the Joel Anderson on Hang Up and Listen pulled an audio clip from that broadcast where Taysom Hill took a helmet-to-helmet shot and, like, took a little while to get up. And I don't know which specific broadcaster said it, but just, like... And that's like, well, kids, you know, it's just the same as when you scrape your knee at recess, recess, but you go and get up and play some more. Yikes. It's nothing like that. It's the opposite of that. It's very serious. This is incredibly serious. Yeah. I, oh my God. It was, it was just weird. There was cartoon characters everywhere. Um, none of the ones I remember because I'm old. <laughs> I'm like, where's Rocco from Rocco's Modern Life? <laughs> no, none of that. It was, you know, it, it was SpongeBob though. I, I don't, I wasn't really a kid for SpongeBob, so I don't really, I didn't really watch SpongeBob. SpongeBob. SpongeBob became a thing when I was like, I think in high school-ish. Yeah. I don't remember. I don't remember when SpongeBob popped up. Yeah, but yeah, they, but yeah, this was definitely a weird indoctrination play to get 
to get kids to love football and fucking terrible it was it was successful i think (laughs) i do know that the children voted mitchell trubisky mvp of that game that shit's funny because someone clearly (laughs) trolled that like whatever internet group whatever like nerdy internet group decided to flood the voting online and just give it to the worst player (laughs) they did a great job (laughs) you know drew Brees was in that game right you know, Alvin Kamara was in that game. <laughs> and they're like, no, Mitchell Trubisky, that's the guy. I'm doing a thumbs up. <laughs> thumbs up. Well, we, we are calling him by... He said he keeps telling everybody he wants everyone to call him Mitchell. So. Oh, that, yeah, that's right. Yeah. Although I think in Chicago, they still... Everyone's just like Mitch Trubinsky. Oh, is that, a, is that like a Chicago accent thing? I'm sure, I'm not yeah. familiar I've, with the accent. Yeah. You live there. So. Mitch Trubinsky. Yeah. Yeah. Mitchell Trubinsky. All right. I know they like um, in a hard alcohol, alcohol called, uh, is it Malort? Is what it's Malort. Called? Yes. Malort is bad on purpose. So um, it's like the Fernet of Chicago. No. Um, <laughs> Fernet actually like is produced for a reason other than just being gross. Um Whereas Malort is just gross. Oh, okay. Like what kind? Of... It's the official. It's the official joke shot of Chicago. It tastes like shit. Like it's just. God, I've only ever had it when extremely wasted, so I don't. I cannot tell you exactly what it tastes like, but it's not good. So um... it's the Fernet of Chicago. <laughs> no, because Fernet can be good if it's like yeah. cold and like. No, Malort, there is no redeeming Malort. You cannot serve Malort in a way that makes it palatable. Um, I imagine you could numb yourself to its terribleness until you like it, but... All right, yeah. That's one of the things I know about Chicago. <laughs> they also hate ketchup on hot dogs. Those are That's the other yeah. thing that you can know about Chicago. I mean, that's, that's a normal thing, I feel like. Yeah, I don't necessarily like ketchup on hot dogs, you know? Sometimes you just don't, don't want put... that flavor profile. <laughs> I don't put ketchup on hot dogs, but that's got nothing to do with Chicago. I'm just not a big fan of ketchup. Yeah. Um, yeah. So have you watched any any other other uh, playoffs stuff going on? Yeah, I mean, I like I've been watching the NFL playoffs over the weekend. Um, like I have the Bucks and the Saints on in the background right now. I do not know what the score is, um, but yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't like the NFL. Like I, I'm watching it, but I'm still like I'm still sitting here like I still hate it. Like I don't understand why this is happening. Um, Super Wild Card Weekend sounds like a slot machine at Circus Circus. Like I don't. Yeah, I don't. I don't know. I'm watching it. I'm gonna keep watching it. I'm sure I'll watch the Super Bowl. Um, but when I finally get like, if I'm ever in a position to not watch it because I could be doing something better with my time. Then I'm not. I don't think I'll miss it. Yeah, I I hate watch it. I missed most of the season. I did watch Niner games this year because like yeah. I wanted to see what what kind of nonsense they were gonna do, and it was pretty nonsensical as you'd expect from the San Francisco 49ers. But for the most part, I kind of just ignored all NFL stuff. And I but I am watching the playoffs now, just yeah. because sports. But 
I kind of wish it wasn't happening. When the NFL came back on TV, like when the league started back up, I was back at work for that intermittent point between when COVID was like bad and between now when it's like really, really, really bad. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was, I didn't watch it when I was like literally going to work on the weekends. Like it just wasn't something that crossed my mind. I had other shit to do. And now that I, and now I'm just at home trying to like fill my time with podcasts and like writing essays and shit and so i don't have much to do besides watch football if it's on or basketball or you know whatever well speaking of the nba um (laughs) the trade that you wanted to happen happened this week i guess there's it'd be weird if we didn't talk about yeah um james harden james harden (laughs) james harden um everybody apparently my understanding is that every single player on the rockets like, went public with their intense dissatisfaction with James Harden, forcing the Rockets to trade him. And so they traded him to the Nets for everybody on the Nets. Um, and now it's, now yeah, now we're going to have a Harden-Durant-Irving-Nets uh, team, which I think is funny. And it's either going to be really awesome or really awful, and either way it's going to be great TV. Yeah. Um, I think it'll be fun. It'll be fun. It'll... Oh my god! I mean, first of all, my Lakers have to get to the finals <laughs> in order first, <laughs> in order for me to like truly be unhappy with these guys. So maybe like right. I, I'm getting ahead of myself by assuming that the Lakers are going to the finals. But I mean, I think you're not making an unsafe assumption. Like they they're own they still have the Clippers to deal with, mm-hmm. um, and then just every like there's just a bunch of teams in the West that are pretty good. Yeah. Um, and like could conceivably beat another team in a seven game series. Yeah. But yeah, like having to having to play seven games against a combination of Harden, Irving, and Durant seems like a daunting task. I don't know where how they guard that. Like the Lakers are a pretty good defensive team. I don't know how they guard that. I don't know how anyone guards that. Like, like yeah. aside from like not even talking about the Lakers anymore. Just like who who can beat that? Like you you're your third best defender is going to be on Kyrie Irving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's going to cook that guy. Like, yeah. Yeah, th- it's not, uh, yeah, that's not great. It's going to have to do a lot of, like, really clever switching and, like, zone stuff and, like, defensive genius stuff has to happen. There needs to be, like, five Draymond Greens on the court <laughs> like, in order to, like, have a, have a chance at stopping them. Yeah, I, I, if they are going to, you know, play at the level we expect them to with all three of them on the court, as we've seen that that isn't a thing regarding Kyrie, but, I mean, that seems temporary. Yeah. It seems incredibly temporary <laughs> with Kyrie not on the court right now. Yeah, I mean, the only like the only open question really is that Irving hasn't played with... Um... Durant or Harden before, really, mm-hmm. like, because they, you know, because Irving came over last year to play with Brooklyn, but Durant was out for the year, and then they both started this year and seemed like it was going okay, but he's never played with uh, Harden, and it's, I'm just curious to see, like, that's the, sort of when it's, where it could get messed up for them, is if the, if it takes longer for Irving and Harden to figure out how to coexist, um, then is optimal for the team. Like, it's gonna, there's always an adjustment yeah. period, right? And, like, there's no reason to assume that, like, they're going to necessarily butt heads or not be able to figure out how to make it work. But there's certainly a chance that that could happen. And um, 
Is that whether or not that would even be enough to keep them from getting to the finals? I don't know, but it's it's going to be a really interesting thing to see play out. Like you, this is the first time I can think of where a big three has consisted of three top ten players. Yeah, I'm trying to th- like because I know we we know that we we know that the the Heat was wasn't uh, there there were there were two top ten players mm-hmm. <laughs> and and. And Chris Bosh was very Bosch good, was, but yeah, he was there. He was great, but mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah, yeah. I don't. Was everyone? Not everyone was top ten on Bo- in Boston. No, I mean, I guess you could make a case. Yeah. Like Garnett was, still. yeah, yeah, for sure. Paul Pierce, but not all of them. Yeah. Paul Pierce, you could maybe make a case for, yeah, um, at that time. And Rondo, Ray Allen. Ray Allen. No, they re- what they really had was four guys who were all like top twenty five. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, which like that's insane. Like that's an insanely good team, and those are all insanely good players. Um, but Ray, like Rondo, really benefited more from the fact that there was Paul Pierce, Kevin Garnett, and Ray Allen standing around him than anything else. Like yeah, you can sort of see that in his career arc once he, those guys were no longer there. He's still he's still an excellent basketball player, but the flaws in his game that were always there were now like now they can't be overcome because the fact that Rondo can't shoot is no longer made up for mm-hmm. by the fact that Ray Allen is standing next to him. Yeah. So. Yeah. As someone who has spent the last two years telling Rondo not to shoot, <laughs> <laughs> I can yeah he. There are flaws in that game. Um, he's super <laughs> smart playmaker. Like oh my god, when he runs an offense, it's. It's really something. It's really something. Like he's mm-hmm. so much more vocal, and he's so much more about getting everyone involved than than even LeBron James, who is like one of the greatest playmakers of all time. But Rondo is so much more, um, I guess, run a play oriented, whereas LeBron is more. Well, this is going to be either a pick and roll or ISO, and I'm going to drive and kick or take a deep three. Like, yeah. <laughs> that's more of his kind of playmaking <laughs> thing, um, where it's like physicality is creating a play, whereas Rondo is like, the playbook is creating a play, and I'm running it. <laughs> yeah. Like, I'm going to go here, you're going to go there, the ball's going to move here, and then we're all going to move in this mesh, and then somewhat, yeah. like, at some point someone should have a shot, and if they don't, you did it wrong. Yeah, yeah, Rondo, it's really great. It's I... I used to like second guess a lot of what Vogel was doing out there. Um, and then I, when I see Rondo with the ball running the offense, I'm like, oh yeah, there's like, <laughs> there's a real plan here. It's not just AD LeBron. You know what I mean? There's like a real offensive plan here and a real scheme here. And yeah, yeah. Rondo's really good at doing that. It's like bringing out yeah. the offensive game plan and executing the offensive game plan to like a very, very, very high level. Yeah. All right. We covered a lot of ground today. Uh, we did. It went by really fast. It did. Yeah. Um, you got any hype drags or anything like that? Oh, boy. A hype and a drag. We haven't, done hype, we haven't done hype drags in a while. I mean, I dragged the NFL. Yeah, drag the NFL. Nickelodeon um, shit. Mm-hmm. Um, who do I hype? Who was awesome this week? Or last week? In any way. And in any capacity. Not just in a... Oh, I want to hype Najee Harris, the Alabama running back, who um, I then saw clips of him doing interviews, and he seems fun and interesting and cool. All right. So I'm going to hype that guy. Okay. 
Also, he's become good friends with Megan Rapinoe now, so that seems fun. All right. There we go. We're, yeah, that's good. And, I dra- and we dragged the NFL. <laughs> and also Nickelodeon. That was weird. And Nickelodeon. Please, please don't do that again. But it looks like you're going to do that more. <laughs> also, uh, drag the Capitol Police. Um, no idea what you guys are doing. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe look into your um, white supremacist problem in your ranks. That seems to be a very serious issue you will face going forward. Yeah. Yeah. Please, please, please do something during an insurrection. <laughs> don't, it doesn't seem like a lot don't to Don't join ask. the insurrectionists. <laughs> don't, don't join the white nationalists. Don't join the fascists when the fascists are storming the capital. That's all. That's all. Just maybe stop them. You, you literally have one job. Yeah, that's literally it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh boy, this is gonna this All is right. gonna be another weird week. I think <laughs> in the yeah, world, I'm a, I'm... In the world. two day, like what, two three days? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, we'll see what happens. I mean, with any luck, at least people will be a little better prepared for it this time. Yeah, Not... um, it looks like it should be, but also once again, we've we've had we've had a hell of a last. I want to say decade. Yes, learning the last decade about, has been you know, rough. The, the general public learning that white nationalism is a is is here. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's been a not so obvious for some people. <laughs> <laughs> Very obvious for others that it's been happening for a long time. But yeah. um, yeah, you know, the world is a hell place. Uh, well, for yeah, it really is. Maybe someday it won't be, but... Yeah, well, shit. (laughs) (laughs) Trying to think of a time when it wasn't. No. (laughs) Did you know we're still in a perpetual war? Yeah, for like almost 30 years now? Did you know that they started it for fun? (laughs) Just because... Just seemed like a a good And that's not really like in the zeitgeist of like bad things anymore you know what i mean like that's not things people bring up anymore is the perpetual war that was started for fun in 2003 is still happening <laughs> and it's and we're just it's just permanent now it's like it's just now it's just background noise. Yeah, it's like, there it's like the can, simpsons yeah. it's just There's, there forever yeah. we're having a war and uh springfield is in missouri or is it new hampshire it's impossible to say uh, we live in a hell place. We live in a hell place. That's what we're, it's our parting <laughs> words for you tonight. Sorry, everyone. It's been a tough week. <laughs> Maybe we'll see you next week. It depends on how bad it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Here's hoping for it not to go the worst. I'm rooting. I personally am rooting for that. Mentally preparing for it to go the worst. So, yeah. Bye everyone. Bye. Goodbye. Good. Good talk. (laughs) Good talk, everyone. (laughs) The world is our place.